Hour number two on Radio Row. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We are always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And you want to know what, Ant? This is our top story of the day. So let's let's run the Not My Beat uh, playbook here because Nikki Javala sat down next to me and she wrote a pretty important story this morning. Um. Today's top story from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. So, Nikki, we were joking before uh, we came back on air here. Uh, last night, I was scurrying to go meet a friend of mine uh, through the, the JW Marriott here at Indy. And I saw out of the corner of my eye you working, on, very clearly working on something yeah. in the corner. And I did not have the light bulb go off that that <laughs> thing that you would be working on would be very relevant to my day, which of course it is, uh, until this morning when I saw the story you wrote with Mark Maskey that the commanders uh, are no longer going to be playing at FedEx Field because FedEx is uh, exercising basically an early termination option in their contract that was triggered available by the sale of the team. Mm-hmm. As best as you can tell us in terms of your reporting, how did, how did all of this go down and how surprising is this? Um, I, I think it's, it's kind of surprising and not surprising, right? Um, surprising sort of by the timing. You know, there's two years left, $15 million, which is a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of, you know, sort of the, you know, the, the it certainly would help to have thirty the, extra million dollars when you, sure, on the day you announced seventy five yeah. million dollars yeah. with the renovations. I, I would love an extra fifty million that. dollars yes. in my bank account, but sure. you know, relative to you know the total value of a lot of these naming rights deals and you know the amount that that can change in the grand scheme of things, it's not a huge dent. Um, but to lose your naming rights partner when you have six, seven, eight, however many years left they have at the stadium in Landover. And also need a stadium rights partner at the new stadium, wherever they're going to be. It's they're in somewhat of an uncertain position, you know. Um, so I, I, I think the timing was surprising, um, especially because they had gone 25 years uh, with FedEx. Um, but given the history of you know sort of Dan Snyder, his history with the minority owners, there was litigation. Um, good number of. You know, so much well documented. (laughs) Yes. Um, And even though Dan Snyder is not the owner of the team, as you mentioned, the sale of the team triggered a provision that would allow uh, FedEx to opt out early um, from the deal. And they they chose that. I believe the deadline was the end of last year. And they they took it pretty much up to the deadline. And I I think it it did catch some in the team by surprise. They thought, you know, they were on pretty good standing. Um, So, yeah, they they decided to pull out and yeah now they they have a an old stadium with no naming rights partner and a new stadium wherever it'll be somewhere. a lot of uncertainty there yeah we stadium. are uh, we are waiting on uh, news from the rfk bill right. which is working its way through congress right now your colleague sam fortier has been one of the people that's been all over that so i'm sure uh, washingtonpost.com mm-hmm. will have much coverage uh from sam and and uh, nikki's colleagues there mm-hmm. uh as that gets finalized so I, I guess like the, the number one question I thought of after reading the piece this morning is like, could this actually wind up working out for them? Like, is there a way that because, as you mentioned, it's $15 million, which in, in modern naming rights deals, which are a bit all over the place, but still that would they could get more for that if the stadium wasn't in such yeah. a precarious space where they're moving out in a couple of years. But I don't know whether they negotiate some kind of deal where mm-hmm. it includes naming rights for the new stadium or whatever right. like could is it feasible for them to go, go like you want to what maybe they just did us a favor yeah theoretically i mean that that's about 7.6 a year it's two years so 15 million dollar total um you know and i i think the average for naming rights 
nowadays there's only two stadiums, two NFL stadiums that don't have a naming rights partner, Lambeau Field and Soldier Field. Uh, so it's a, the two oldest stadiums don't have naming rights partners. But the reason a lot of teams do it is, you know, it's a lot of capital. That, and you need that to kind of reinvest into the stadium and, and maintain repairs and whatnot. Um, so a lot of these deals, the average for the ones that have them, I think it's around like 12 and a half to 13 okay. a year, which is pretty much double what they you know, we're getting from FedEx. So, yeah, if they can land another stadium rights partner and kind of get it in that ballpark, sure, it could be beneficial because there was going to be a lapse no matter what. You know, this deal expired in 2026. They are not going to be out of um, the current stadium by then to move into the next one. So there yeah, was going to be a lapse. By the way, pause. What do we call it for right now? I'm just calling it the stadium in the Landover. Stadium. <laughs> the stadium um, in Landover. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, here's the, here's the thing. I mean, like, cover the Broncos for six years, mm-hmm. their original, not their original, but the second naming rights sponsor, Sports Authority, a mm-hmm. former, uh, you know, apparel I, company yes, way back uh, when. Yeah, we. I think any kid who grew up playing sports has been to a sports yeah. authority and just gotten lost in there. Yeah. They went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. So, and they, I mean, that, that stadium went without a naming rights partner for, I want to say, two, three years until they landed on Empower, a retirement company. So, you know, it, it depends on the market. It depends on what they're looking for. I think ideally they would probably want to do what Tennessee is doing, and they managed to get Nissan on a 20-year sponsorship, and Nissan is carrying them through the, the rest of their life of the current stadium, and then will also be the naming rights partner mm. of their new stadium that opens in 2027. So I would think that would be sort of the ideal scenario. You get a long-term partner. You're getting a pretty sizable return each year. Um, more than you are now. It's just you in, and you got to think Nashville is a smaller market than DC, but you look at the state of FedEx field, you know, and, and new ownership to its credit has put in a good bit of money already to try to make some improvements, but it is what it is. Right. Um, so I, I think all that factors in and we'll see if they're able to pull one off. If, if you don't get one that carries over, maybe you get a shorter term one, um, you know, I, I, I think ideally you'd like to have one or you find other ways to sort of make up that lost revenue that you would get from one if you can through. You see a lot of teams now like sponsor parking lots or different areas sure. um, to get creative. But, you know, that that revenue that 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 helps a ton for teams, you know, especially with the size of these stadiums and the amount you know, just the capital repairs is, can be massive. Right. And if they're trying to make a better fan experience, I wonder if like exactly. parking comes down and like some, you know, you're, you're shifting revenue and right. like how you make it, can you make it right. more off corporate sponsors than off your fans sure. directly? And, uh, if you're missing a $7.6 million chunk of change, like that makes that, that business model a little bit harder. Yeah. And it's, you know, it is a lot of money for any normal person. It's, you know, in the grand scheme, it's not a ton, but yeah, it, it definitely helps to have a naming rights partner, no doubt. Yeah, Nikki Javala of the Washington Post is with us. Um, these $75 million upgrades to mostly FedEx, but I think that there's some that got earmarked that, for yeah, Ashburn as well. Yeah, some updated amenities at um, the facility. How mu- like, what kind of difference does this realistically make for fans and, and maybe more importantly on the day that the NFLPA stuff comes out again yeah. for, for players? Yeah, and this is this $75 million, this includes the $40 million that was also announced earlier. So $35 oh, yeah. million new. New and We've now all of this. The end of my math skills. <laughs> Same, um, and all of these upgrades will be completed before the 2025 season. So they're putting all these upgrades in this off season and next off season, um, in between concerts and whatever else they have going on at the stadium and facility. Um, 
so I, th- I think a lot of it will be noticeable. I think they've made changes to, to parking and trying to make it easier to get in and out of the stadium. They've made some already um, with sort of the traffic flow things. Um, they've made upgrades to premium seating areas. Uh, there's like a new field tunnel club. Um, and I think it's maybe more subtle things that you can't see. Like they, there just needs to be some structural improvements to the stadium, which... If you've been to any game, you know there are some improvements that can be made to sure. stop a leak. Because a new one appears at every game, it seems. Yep. Um, and then certainly at the facility, I mean, the NFLPA came out with their their second annual player report cards where players vote on how facilities are, how working conditions are for, for teams. And, I mean, it's not really a surprise that the commanders finished last for the second year in a row and this is not a knock on ownership but more a reflection of just the state of their facilities yeah the way i worded uh my my take on that because i guess that's the business i'm in reluctantly i'm in the take business nikki i it happened it happens to the best of us um and also me um so it you know my my take on it is that it is a reflection of the amount of work to be done not on the current ownership group these votes were taken in october Um, how little work was done by the previous regime yes um and both on football and on ownership yeah um how like if if we're forecasting a year from now like how much can they jump in a year versus how much of this is like a 5 to 10 year project i mean they they hope to have all these all of these upgrades in this chunk done before the 2025 season um you know and they're they're going to be it's a lot of money but it requires a lot of money to just make even incremental improvements to the stadium and you want to do enough to make it as decent as you can in that facility um, for fan experience, you got to make changes for players, too, to make it better. Um, I think they do take to heart these NFLPA surveys, and they have made changes since the last one to try to improve that. I mean, we saw a lot of it with training camp and, like, a separate area for families so they can kind of sort of congregate after practice in a more private area. Um, so I, I think they'll continue to make smaller changes while, you know, still keeping an eye on the long term and, you know, where they want to be after this. Nikki Javala, Washington Post with us for another few minutes here on the Team 980. All right, uh, General Combine, uh, this is the question I'm asking every Washington person that sits in that chair, which is, okay. when you not uh, not even quarterback stuff or, you know, whatever okay. you're hearing on the, the football side yet, just when you have conversations this year and you meet someone new and you're like, I cover Washington. You know, yeah. I, I know what that was like under the previous regime and yeah, everyone pity, just kind of gives you that. Stare. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, you have yeah. a great life, don't yeah. you? How different are the conversations this year? Uh, the first reaction from literally everybody I've talked to is, oh, I really like their hires. I really like their hires. I think Dan Quinn will be good. Or if it's from, you know, agents or other media that have dealt with him, oh, you're going to love DQ. You're, I, Adam's really good. Like, I think he'll be really good for that team. So, yeah, it's a it's a complete 180. Um, you know, it's still kind of built on hope and potential and you hope this sticks, you hope it works, you hope they win. Um, but it is definitely a lot more optimism than years past when, oh, sorry, you're covering your fifth federal investigation, that type of thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely different vibes. Um, outside of today where you're dealing with, like, naming rights and PA surveys, it has kind of almost felt sort of like a normal <laughs> team. I'm so scared of doing anything. Um <laughs> But, like, yeah, we've been covering football and yeah. coaching stuff. And who are they going to draft and quarterback? Ooh. And, like, yeah, wild. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Um, 
We'll see how it pans out. You always yeah. hope they win the week, and they can the stick week around. Is young. Yeah. The, the, the regime is young. Right. This is the happiest time of year in the NFL. Yes. No, happiest. It, it Everybody's is. a Super Bowl, Super Bowl contender right now. A hundred percent. One trend that I think is interesting this year, and as someone who covers not just Washington, a team that is kind of participating in this trend, but also someone who has great feel around the league, um, so many coaches are skipping out now, and it kind of started yeah. with Kyle and Sean a couple of years ago. Washington has none of their assistants here, and DQ basically came to do media. I think he did tell the junkies this morning that he's like going to sit on on some meetings, but yeah. like he's he's out of here pretty quick. Um, if he's, I think he's on a plane probably back right now. Right. Um, so, what do you make of that? And is that a missed opportunity where coaches like Andy Reid are like, no, I'm of course I'm here. Like right. I have to talk to the players. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody kind of has their own approach, obviously. And I mean, Washington still has a huge contingent here. Um, but I think the value of the combine, I don't know, if it's, it's definitely become more skewed to a TV production. You know, it's spread out. Meetings are later at night just to accommodate TV and to get these yeah. workouts. Well, and, now they have them in the mornings, time. which is a thing that never yeah. happened before. Right. So like the quarterbacks are pushed back in the week to make sure people stay and to, you know, more, more eyes. It is a business for the NFL as everything eventually becomes one. Sure. Um, so it's become less about, I need to see these players throw or work out because a lot of these drills, as we all know, are not all that translatable to the football field. Um, the interviews are very short. It's like speed dating in a lot of ways. You get yep. 15 minutes. A lot of these kids don't even know what team they're talking to because they're on their 30th of the day or something. Um, so it's so informal and they do it by zoom now, a carryover from the pandemic. Oh, I didn't know that. So they can do it in zoom. They can do it in person. So like they have coaches at home that can be streamed in. Oh, wow. Um, so some coaches just see it as a benefit of, you know, let's save the money on the trip. We get to talk to the players and then we'll bring them in on our top thirties and get them more. Um, I think the biggest benefit still to teams is the medical and, and players, you know, they go through the gauntlet with every bit of testing. And that's where the real value is, I think, to teams because it's the workouts. Okay, fine. You can watch them on TV. You know, more and more players are not really doing all They're of on them. tape, which I always just get a great yeah. chuckle out of because I just imagine, like, in the mid, you know, late March, some coach sitting in his office rewinding the three cones yeah, drill, right. and you're like, right. this is what we're doing to select football right. players? But, like, I guess. I mean, a good 40 time can definitely put you on the map. I mean, Troy Apke, I mean, five years in the league yeah. off that 40 time that impressed Dion. So, like, doing something right. Uh, but, like, you know, I I think I think teams are kind of realizing it is this has become more of a production. They have new ways, more efficient ways of, of getting it done. Um, you know, and I, I think it's they find it better to, to get these players in person, bring them in. And a lot of teams, they do it. They do it on top of that. And, you know, it, it, it's different. For every team, I, I do think you're gonna. I think you're gonna start seeing fewer teams send coaches, and I do wonder if fewer players are gonna continue to participate unpaid. If that's yeah. gonna become a thing, I I think it's interesting how it is almost you know people mess this up all the time. Oh, we went the full 360, full 180. It's like no, this is actually going a full 360 because. The combine started as a medical test, right. as a way to not have players have to travel. And it's like, right. okay, all the doctors, and then they're One like, stop shop. Yeah, yeah. What, hey, they're here. Let's work them out. Right. Let's let's do this. And now it's like the medical side. There's still so much benefit for the teams. Although I do wonder sure. if players are going to be like, no, you can't take right. me, take me or leave me. Like, how, when do agents start pulling that card? But it really like. 
because of the nature of the drills and technology. And also, you know, I think, you know, we talked about this on, on our podcast and stuff with Logan last year a little bit, like the GPS data available now. Yeah. I'd rather know what you run in a football game than what you run in a 40. And right. so the, the amount of data available is just completely changing the evaluation process. And everyone's just chasing the best way to do it. And as more technology yeah. emerges, like that that becomes less and less clear of what that optimized right. thing is. Right. There's more data, and this event has become more of a TV production, right. frankly. Um, so, And will players continue to agree to do it? I mean, I know Marvin Harrison, the report that he's not going to do it. Not everybody can do what Marvin Harrison is doing. Right. He is a complete player, and he's solidified in where he's going to, okay, you know, or is a team going to turn away Marvin Harrison Jr. because of that? No. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a player on the edge of going on a certain place, might so it still has value for some players uh and last but not least because i feel rude not asking you at least one football question uh, because you do cover football (laughs) on top of all the other things that you do um do you have or have you this week developed any strong feelings in terms of uh where you think they should go it to i know they haven't decided yet so to ask you what you're hearing about that is like that's silly they don't know yet but for what you've heard from scouts agents execs whatever do you have any strong feelings no my mind changes pretty much every day sometimes twice in a day sometimes i'm like you know developing i think he would be good some days i'm like throw everything at the bears and try to trade up i don't think they i don't think they would i don't think the bears would trade down it's just my feeling. Um, some days I'm like, all right, trade back, get another pick. You know, let's yeah. kind of build up the rest. Other days I'm like, let's go get Kirk Cousins. Let's bring him <laughs> back for two, for a couple of years. You know, like let's go. Um, hey, you missed Kirk. So, Some of us got I to cover mean, Kirk. You didn't get Kirk. I know. I feel like I was ripped off. A you bit, never know so. what you get on I a Wednesday. Know. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, it, I mean, this is the beauty of having a number two pick, gobs of cap space, a ton of picks. They could literally go any which way, which. You know, for talk radio, not great because I don't have a definitive answer or opinion for you. I will um, say, as the person hosting a show that has been <laughs> do mostly draft content for two months, it is phenomenal. Oh, awesome, perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I honestly don't know. I I don't know what I would want. I, in that I'm situation. with you. I change and every I'm, single day. Yeah, and I'm very glad I don't have to be the one picking. Yeah. Um. Although if we were picking, we'd have a lot more data because like part yeah. of the reason I don't feel like I know is like. I haven't sat down in a room with Jaden Daniels or Drake May or Caleb Williams. Sure. Like I don't know how they process football information. I don't know how they process all kinds of stuff that just makes it impossible to like have a strong feeling. Does that yeah. stop many people from having strong feelings? No, my YouTube comments are a dumpster fire. <laughs> but like it is, it is impossible to look at it just with the tape. And also, I think the other part of this that I really struggle with is I don't know what they're building offensively. Like right. Cliff, yeah. Cliff going There's like, hey, this mystery. isn't the error yeah. aid. Like, okay, well, then what is it? Because it seems like it could go any direction. Right. And I think part of it, too, is, like, even when you do know all that, even when you do have every bit of data available to you, it's still a crapshoot in many ways. Right. I mean, Adam Peters would know as well as anybody with Trey Lance and, like, you know. And Brock Purdy on the other side. And Brock Purdy on the other side, yeah. So it's, there is a bit of luck to it. Um even when you know all that you do, I mean, there's not a direct translation from the college game to the NFL game, certainly parts of it, you know, but it is, it is tough. A lot of it depends on, is that player going into the right circumstances with the right coach, the right scheme? It takes a perfect storm and it's, it's hard to hit on. I, and I, I think this is Patrick Mahomes, every bit of good that he's done for the league, just otherworldly player 
of course every team wants to find that next guy, but he doesn't exist. I think there will be a lot of great players that will be different, but I think the standard is so absurd. Um, and not saying he will be the highest. That's not it at all. There will just be different super high players. But chasing that has made it even harder. I think it's it's definitely created more urgency, especially in the development of young players. If you're not good in year one, you're cast aside. Right. The lucky ones get a second chance, like Jared Goff. Um, coaches don't even get a full season to work with these guys. So everybody is chasing that that. You know, yeah, what you just said about up. Pat is the thing that I think I'm coming out of this week with, which is I don't know whether it's worth chasing him because he's one of one. And maybe Caleb, yeah. Caleb's the next guy in that tree where, maybe. you know, five years from now, I mean, five years from now, Pat's still going to be 32. So, like, yeah. insanity Crazy. there. But, like, the idea that if you get the quarterback, you got it. Like, no, if you get Mahomes, right. you got right. it. But, right. like, would you rather then be – the Lions or the 49ers with a very well-balanced roster. And, like, the 49ers are Jake Moody missing or getting an extra point blocked right. away from maybe winning that game. Right. Like, that whole game changes on that. So would you rather chase the 49ers model or would you rather chase right. hitting one guy and having him erase all the rest of your problems? Right. And, I mean, the Super Bowl rings would tell you you should go. It's worth it to chase Pat. Right. But, like, people are like, well, what if you land Josh Allen? And I'm like, well, he's not as good as Patrick Mahomes. And the question is, do you need to be as good as Patrick Mahomes? Because if right. that's the case, then good luck. Yeah. If that's the case, then nobody else is going to be able to win. And I, Shut I the league down for believe a decade. that you don't need to be as good as Pat Mahomes to win. I right. think there have been a number of really, really good teams with really good quarterbacks, just not to that level. Right. And the good teams figure out how to way to do that. I think, I think that's like Baltimore is a perfect example. I mean, I know, they haven't won it all right. with but the Lamar, Eagle, but, but it's like the same the way model the Eagles used to make the that. Super Bowl. It's the same model yes. the Niners used to make the Super Bowl. Like yes. all the teams that the Chiefs have beaten, and the occasional team like yes. like Cincinnati, who has beaten uh, Kansas City, the only one to yeah. do it really in the playoffs. Like at that point, like Burrow was excellent, but yes. he wasn't Pat. Right. But their roster was sick otherwise. Yeah, I, just the importance on one position is what makes this league so unique anymore. Yeah. I mean, Andy Reid wasn't regarded as Andy Reid like he is now. He's more like Kyle Shanahan is exactly, now until yeah. he drafted Pat Mahomes. Now, Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Correct. But you need that guy. Not not always to that level, but you need a guy. And it's, you know, we see it in Washington, of course. Yes, where they so, haven't had a guy. 20, how many years? I, many I mean, it depends on what who you consider the guy. Was it Doug? Right. I mean, there, you could make an argument that that Rippon and Williams weren't the guy, and they won Super Bowls right. anyway. Right? Exactly. Um, no, which is it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, um, it takes a perfect storm, you yeah. know. And and I think the league is a copycat league, but often to a detriment. And never forget that the Chicago Bears' all-time leading passer is Jay Cutler. Yikes! They've been around a hundred years. Yeah. Yikes. Could be worse. You could yeah. be the Bears. Uh, all right, that's Nikki Javala, WashingtonPost.com slash sports to read her work. Or some of you are subscribers to the Post, and they throw the newspaper at your door. Uh, Nikki uh, here with us uh, on Radio Row in Indianapolis. Trevor Sikama, Pro Football Focus, sits in that chair next. It's the Hoffman Show. We are on the Team 980. We are live always on the Free Odyssey app and streaming on YouTube at the Team 980, where you see uh, Trevor Sikama. It's very well done hair, very manicured beard, and a reminder that I like to do radio, and then I remember that I'm on video, Trevor. You do this to me every time we sit next to Sorry, each other. Sorry, you get more sleep than I do. i got to wake up, you know, two hours early to do the hair. No, not quite, not quite that, but no. Uh, no. It's, it's always good to be with you. you got to have friend. a system. 
I do, I, well, I do have a system. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I actually didn't. Start, and that's what we love about you. I actually didn't start blow drying my hair until like a year ago. Let me tell you. It saves a lot of time. Revolutionized. Especially if you have like a good blow dryer. I, I honestly didn't understand how people got their hair to stay in certain spots. And they're like, yeah, you got to blow dry it. I was like, oh. oh. So All right, that's are. our interview. Uh, We've evolved. Dude, yeah, thanks you got for most, having me. Appreciate it. You got the most interesting mock draft of any of them out there, but we're going to talk about hair. Oh, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So especially for Washington, uh, it's funny because I keep looking up, you know, all right, let me double check, make sure this person hasn't put out a new mock draft, whatever. Uh, and every single guest I've had on so far has had Drake May mocked too. Now, Matt Miller from ESPN sat down yesterday and he's like, funny story, uh, if I could do that mock again, I'd have Jaden Daniels. And then I looked up yours, sir, and you, you, you do it the right way. You've got trades in your mock draft. And not one, boys and girls. Trevor Sikkema's got two <laughs> trades for the commanders in his mock draft. Down to wherever Denver is, and then back up to 10 12. for the Jets. 12 yeah, to down, down yeah. to 12, yep. up to 10. Yep. Ultimately, they get a boatload of picks in J.J. McCarthy. Walk me through the uh, your Adam Peters impression here. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think that Washington's going to be open to absolutely everything, right? It is a new everything in Washington, and I think that with it is going to come a willingness to do whatever they think they need to do, new ownership, obviously new coach, you know, new regime, everything, to set themselves up for the future. Now, of course, I think that that probably includes taking a quarterback. You know, I think that they will look at trading up, and the only place to trade up is one spot. I think they will probably call Chicago and see what that price is, see right. if Chicago wants to move down, see if they have an opportunity to go get themselves Caleb Williams, who would be the hometown kid. Great story. I feel like they are, I, I feel as though they are really going to try that, and, and they are really going to try to make that happen. Um, we'll see if it does. I mean, it's, it, the price has got to be worth it, obviously, and then Chicago has to, um, <coughs> excuse me, Chicago would then have to feel good about Drake, May, you know, right. assuming that Caleb's going to go number one. So I think there's some variable things that you got to think about when it comes to what Washington would do to trade up and what Chicago would have to do to trade down. However, I also think that they're going to be in conversation to move back as far as outside the top 10. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to do that, right. but I am saying that this regime is going to explore every single option. And Let's say Washington gets done with their quarterback evaluation and they go, it's basically Caleb or nobody. And they try to get up to number one. Chicago goes, no, we're sticking with Caleb Williams at number one. Well, if they're at number two, maybe they don't want to just pick a quarterback for the sake of picking a quarterback. Maybe instead they'd rather look at a situation where they go, okay, let's pick another team that is very high on Jaden Daniels, very high on Drake May, and say – Let's go get two first-round picks for the next two years and absolutely dominate the top 50 for the yeah. next two, three seasons. Right. And they could be in a situation where that's what I did in that mock draft. I explored a reality where Washington would be open to moving all the way down to 12 with Denver, Denver because I think Denver is going to be one of those teams that's going to be very aggressive to go move up to go get one of those quarterbacks. Right. Drake May could be that guy, absolutely. So they move back to Denver. They get you know three first-round picks for it, obviously 12 being one of them. And then I have them popping up and trading a, a little bit higher up to jump Minnesota at number 11 for J.J. McCarthy as J.J. Mm -hmm. McCarthy is still there. So that was kind of my thought process there is I think I get some feedback from people that said, hey, if Washington's going to be in on the quarterback class and you're going to have them taking a quarterback at 10, why would they move out at two? Well, that is my, kind of my explanation to that is maybe they don't love the non-Caleb yeah. It's actually options. about the draft capital. It's not about the quarterback. Correct. And so that is kind of the conversation that I wanted to start about how flexible I believe 
this new commander's ownership regime, everything is going to be. Trevor Sycamore, Pro Football Focus, with us here on the Hoffman Show. So I actually really like this, and I realize that I I feel like I'm in a safe space now to explore this thought process because every anytime you say like, you know, any kind of like basically I get the same feedback you do, right? Where it's like, just take the quarterback at two. Why are you overthinking? And this? they might. And, you, and, like, and they you might. don't you don't have the chance to be here very often. And I think what like I, I, I almost wonder if people are learning the wrong lessons from Mahomes, right? Which sounds crazy because everyone's like, yeah, the lesson from Mahomes is you need a baller at quarterback. And I'm like, no, if that baller is Patrick Mahomes, you need Patrick Mahomes. But the level that you have to get to is he's one of one. So if you think Caleb, for instance, is capable of making that one of two, you do it. But I think the lesson is more of look at the other teams who get there. Look at the other teams who, who have had success recently. They have more well-rounded rosters. Pat erases so much that no other quarterback can. Right. And so I would rather have the multiple picks over multiple years here to build up the roster. It's a theory. I don't know that I fully believe it, but I also don't think it's definitely it's like unviable. No, look, and I think people get the wrong they get the wrong view of mock drafts. Like the point of doing a mock draft isn't necessarily so every mock draft is exactly the same. Now we're kind of at the point of the year where we're predicting mocks instead right. of just kind of like saying, "Hey, this is what we would do," or here, or like, "Oh, right." You're starting to get information. You're that, talking to people. That mock draft that I did a couple of weeks ago was one of the last mock drafts that I'll kind of do where it's like, "Hey." This is sort of what I'm hearing, but it's also a little bit of what would this look like if something like this happened. A lot of mock drafts that I'll do from this point on will be kind of predicting what might end up happening. And I think to the people out there that might be listening to this, yes, it's it's more it's more likely that if they want a quarterback, they're probably just going to stick it to and take sure. whoever is at number two. But to your point, if if they don't believe that any of these guys are necessarily a Mahomes level. Go build the roster the way that you need to, right? Especially with a lot of the turnover that they've had, the way that they handled the trade deadline, the things that they need to, to do to improve, I think, both trenches specifically. Yes. Um, this this is probably something that's going to take a little bit of time. And you've got a new coaching staff in there as well. They're going to want to get their new guys in there. The best way to do that is through the draft. And I think you can set yourself up for a great situation over the next couple of years to have a lot of top 50 picks and create that team and really start that winning window probably in you know the beginning stages of 2025, 2026, and only getting better and more open from that. And moment. to be clear, uh, in the trades that Trevor pulled off here, uh, pulled off, he was negotiating with himself. Great job, by, <laughs> yeah, you, by the way. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate uh, it. It was you, tough. You modeled that trade down to... 12, the initial trade, the first of the two, after one that Adam Peters was involved in, the Trey Lance trade, yes. and the Niners traded up right. uh, with the Dolphins, however many years ago that was, to get to three and ultimately took Lance. Obviously, that didn't work out, except for they made the Super Bowl anyway because they built out the roster, so, you know, who knows. The the, the paths are not straight this time of year, Yes, uh, nor will they be for the next couple of years. Let's talk about the players themselves, then, that we're talking about here, then. Let's let's double click on McCarthy. Where are you at with him? Where do you rank him? And like, what's the gap? Assuming that he's QB four, uh, that's you mocked him fourth. Right. Uh, what? How big is the gap for you between him and Daniels at three? Yeah, I, I have I have JJ McCarthy at QB four, and I'll be honest, I liked McCarthy a lot more than I thought I was going to. I, I watched. That him, seems to be the consensus I of guys that are like watching film on him, him. this past summer, uh, for summer scouting, and I was like, man, this guy is far from what you need him to be to be an NFL quarterback. In 2022, his first year as a starter, it's, it was kind of the same story. Like Michigan doesn't really demand a lot of him. They didn't right. do that this year. They didn't do that last year. But even last year, 
the pocket presence was not great. He did not have a good feel for pressure. He was falling for all, all sorts of sim pressures, really didn't identify things post-snap. He was late to get to his reads. And so 2022, I was like, man, this guy is pretty far away from being an NFL quarterback. This year, all of those things got better. Now, not to say that they were perfect, but when all of those things improved the way that we saw from him this year, plus a lot more confidence as well, that makes me think, all right, you're one of the younger prospects in this class. You have two years of starting experience for a heralded quarterback coach in Jim Harbaugh. You understand a baseline of what it takes to run an offense that looks like an NFL offense. We can build off of that. And that makes me think this is a guy that you take in the first round. When you take into account the arm talent that he has, it's not like a crazy elite arm, but it's a good arm. As long as he can get bigger and stronger, I think the arm can get a little bit faster, a little bit more powerful. He's got that added mobility to him. So I like J.J. McCarthy a decent amount. He is somebody that I would absolutely take. I would be comfortable with him at the back end of the first round, but we know that that's not how the NFL works. Right. You need a quarterback, you're probably going to take one. The teams need a quarterback, guess where they pick? In the top 15. So I think he'll probably end up going top 15 when it is all said and done. And I do like that investment. I really do. So, look, if you got to plop him in there week one and start him in the NFL, yeah, he's probably going to struggle. He's just not used to being that commanding presence of an offense where Michigan didn't ask him to throw the ball a ton. They just asked him to be a really good game manager. And I know game manager, people hate that word. Like, people think that that means you can't right. play. But that's they, just kind they of— They want a title. He managed just fine. And, 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 and I think that his arm is more capable of being that potential takeover type of passer in certain situations when you need him to be. Maybe not—again, maybe not week one of his rookie year, right. but I think that he can get there. So, you know, when it comes to— the gap between him and Daniels or May, when I went through film, it's very clear to me that Caleb is tier one. He is he is the number one quarterback in this class. I also thought that it's very clear that Drake May is QB2. Okay, we'll circle back to him in a second. And then I have Jaden Daniels after him and then J.J. McCarthy. And honestly, like, Jaden might be closer to McCarthy than I think that he is to May. But it doesn't seem like everybody in the NFL agrees with me there. So it seems like those opinions are kind of all over the place. But I don't believe it's this, oh, if Washington does not get one of either Drake May or Caleb Boy- or uh, Drake May or Jaden Daniels, there's no chance that they're going to draft any other quarterback. I think there's a lot of really good ones in this class. So let's you're not the first person to sit in that chair and say that uh which i feel like is a very that being that uh, mccarthy is closer to daniels than daniels is to may um that that drake really seems to have buffered himself number two like he's behind so. caleb but he is definitively ahead of Jaden. and there was a lot of Jaden daniels momentum uh building there for a couple weeks after the season and it made sense like he was the heisman trophy winner he, he it was awesome to close out the year. Um, and, like, frankly, his tape is – there's really good stuff on it. Like, yes. he plays on time a lot. Like, he's decisive with the football. The running stuff is insane. You're talking May or you talking Daniels? Daniels. Yeah. Like, the deep ball stuff. He's the best deep ball thrower in the class. Uh, and and that stuff good, is He has always, some good guys to throw to. Yeah. He has some good it, guys certainly. to throw to. But, like, there's times those dudes are running wide open and he hits them in stride. Yeah. And, like, uh, that's yeah. all you can ask yeah, for on those throws. Yeah, take it away from him for sure. So, like, there's that on tape. But then there's the stuff that Drake has on tape, which is equally as good. And there's some bad stuff with him, but there's some bad stuff with Daniels too. Why do you think, though, as, as people have dived deeper into this process, that that gap seems to be widening on the kind of the consensus to being May versus, you know, Daniels having momentum a couple of weeks ago? I think first and foremost, May's got a better arm. 
like very clearly, I think he has a better arm. I think he's got better velocity on his throws. I can, I think he can comfortably throw with distance um, more better than than Jaden can. Not that Jaden can't hit the deep ball. I think that Jaden's arm is plenty adequate for the NFL level. But I think Mays is even like a step above that, especially when it comes to velocity. Like the velocity. I've, I've heard the Herbert comp. Is that fair? Is yeah, it too much? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's. <sighs> Because so, Herbert, Herbert will throw darts through people. It's, it's hard to say that right now because Herbert is viewed as a top-five quarterback in the league. And so right. there are things that May has to improve upon. I think that he's way too inconsistent. But if you go back to what Justin Herbert was coming out of Oregon, I think it's fair to comp what Drake May is right now versus okay. what Justin Herbert was and, and in terms coming of arm of talent, yes, he's there? Yes. Okay. I, I, I think that... Herbert's arm is probably a little bit better, but I do think that May has a fantastic arm, specifically when it comes to a lot of the tight window throws from 10 to 19 yards, that intermediate part of the field. Mm. To the sideline, he's able to rip those throws all the way in between coverages. If the corners are in a shallow zone, if the uh, safeties are in a deep zone, He's able to hit that hole between that coverage very, very quickly, very, very easily with a ton of pace to it. And also, there's no doubt about it, May is the most experienced, intermediate, middle-of-the-field thrower of any quarterback in this class. He has the most big-time throws of anybody from 10 to 19 yards over the middle of the field between the numbers. He has the most attempts, the most dropbacks. I mean, he is just not afraid at all of throwing over the middle. And when you have a guy who is comfortable and experienced and successful throwing over the middle, it unlocks so much of what you can do with the rest of your passing offense. Because a lot of guys here in this league, like for example, Michael Penix is somebody who I really like Michael Penix's arm. He does not have a lot of experience throwing over the middle. They just don't ask him to do it at Washington. And when you are primarily this outside the numbers type of a thrower, sure, a lot of your throws are high difficulty and, and they're great throws, but if you don't make the defense keep you honest over the middle of the field, I mean, you are allowing them to just hone in on that side of of, of the field and, and using the, the, the boundary as a defender. And so I just think that May's ability and comfort level, confidence, attacking over the middle of the field does not get talked about enough, even when it's between just him and Daniels. I think he does it in a better way. If you were to pick a like someone else in the quarterback room with a Drake May, let's say it's Washington, like – do you, how much would you value like going and signing a veteran? Because this again gets into the other, I think, interesting discussion of the week here of like, what do you do with Howell? Right? You just have three yeah. quarterbacks in the room. Yeah. Do you trade him? Like whatever. Like it, it. One, do you need someone who can start week one because Drake isn't ready? Two, how much would you value? I know this might be hard for you because you, I don't think, have had a chance to uh, interview Drake May in a combine style or right. whatever interview, and this is something that they're going to have to get out of it. But yeah. like, in terms of the projection, the best you can. Is he ready to start week one? And would you like be really, really looking for another veteran quarterback to put in the room with him? I think he can start week one, especially because he started for the last two years at UNC. So he's got two full years as a starter. And it, let's face it, if you're taking him at number two overall, I mean, he's, he, he's going to start week one. I mean, that's probably. probably just the way that it is. I think you're in a situation where you could start Sam early on, but... You know, that's not a great environment for Sam, knowing that you just drafted a quarterback number two overall, knowing that the only reason why you're getting the starting nod to start the year is just because, ah, let's give Hal, or let's give, uh, let's give May a little bit of time. That's not a great environment for Hal. I don't think it's a great environment to probably showcase his best stuff. He probably won't be that motivated. And, uh, and, and that's not like nothing against him. Like it's just, that, that ultimately creates a really tough situation for him. So 
I think if, if your plan is to draft a quarterback at number two, and if it's, if it's Drake May at number two, in a perfect world, I don't know if the timelines would line up for this, you probably go get maybe some kind of a veteran, and then honestly you probably try to trade Sam because he's coming yeah. off a year where if Washington didn't have the number two overall pick, let's say that they had a pick that was middle of the first round. You're probably rolling into next year with Sam Howell as your starting right. quarterback. If he had played right? well enough that they were there, then right. like, right. yeah, that's the thing. They, he just was so, and I don't think this is all on him by any stretch, they were just so bad down the stretch right. that they, right. that they right. played them way out of Sam into the number two pick. And I think that, I think that you can convince a team to give you a draft pick certainly higher than the one that it took you to draft him. Right. For a trade, either before or after the draft, you know, a team that needs a quarterback that didn't, that wasn't able to get one night one of draft night, you could probably trade Sam Howell to them for thir- a third, a fourth round pick, something like that, from what he showed last year. And if you keep him and start him week one, just to then give his job to May, I, I, I don't know if he'll play well enough to actually keep that trade value that high. Right. And so. what happens if he's good? Like that, and that's like a good problem to have, but that's a problem. Like if right, he goes out and right, plays well, it's right. like and I just draft his kid number two, that. and now and I now don't what? think they want that. Yeah, yeah, no, it seems like a less than a suboptimal situation. Yeah, uh, which has you know kind of been the norm at quarterback, but we don't need to dig up old wounds. Uh, Trevor Sycamore, Pro Football Focus, with us for another few minutes here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, with a man of your uh, deep draft knowledge, I'd be remiss if I did just talk quarterback in this number two pick. So, um, the tackle class. What is the diff? Like, if we're trying to make predictions of things that we think are 100% true right now, Washington has those top five, you know, or five top 100-ish picks. Yeah. Right? I feel very confident in saying I would be surprised. And I don't, I guess I could just go there. But they are not going to pick at those five spots. They're going to package something and move somewhere in the first three rounds, right? So, what's the difference tackle wise? between and maybe even defensive end wise between the end of the first round and the beginning of the second in other words if they were to try to package 36 and 40 to trade back up to i'm just throwing out a random number here i don't even know who the team is 23 22 what kind of player are we talking about at 23 22 at either tackle or edge versus two players at 36 and 40 yeah i think um for tackle i think that it would be more of a drop off than edge because i think around the top 20 you're talking about guys like Tyler Guyton, Amarius Mims, J.C. Latham, uh, maybe a Jordan Morgan type of a player. Like Those guys, I think, are now in play if you trade up somewhere between 20 and 25 to get an offensive tackle that can really, really help you out. I think Tyler Guyton's a really great guy to invest in. Um, I was a little skeptical after watching his film just because it's all over the place, but he's such a good athlete, and I watched him in Mobile. He is a competitor, man. I mean, like this is dude. This is a dude who wanted to go up against the best every single practice. He was so pumped up every time that he had a rep that was good, and he was also pumped up when he had a rep that was bad. Like you could tell, like he was motivated, like he was pissed. He couldn't wait back. He couldn't wait to get back out there for another one-on-one to kind of like prove himself and get a better rep out there. So, uh, highly competitive dude. Really liked the fact that a team could invest in him to be a starting offensive tackle. I think the same could be said for Marius Rims and GC Latham that that I mentioned there. The drop-off to tackle, though, if you get into that second round. Yeah, there's some 
offensive tackles, but a lot of these guys are kind of like these tweener players that might have been tackles that are probably going to get kicked inside, like Troy Fanton now from, from, uh, from Washington, Graham Barton from Duke, uh, maybe Kieran Amagaji from, from Yale. Like These are guys who played tackle who might be better on the interior. So to me, if you need an offensive tackle, if you're looking to package one up to get into that first round, that's a good spot to do that. Defense Venn, I think there's a handful of edge rushers that you could really like at the beginning of the second round um, that – I don't think that you would have to trade up into the first round to think, oh, wow, we're really missing out on this guy because a Chop Robinson, an, uh, an Adiza Isaac, both those guys from Penn State, uh, Jonah Ellis from Utah, um, you know, like just, just, just players like that where I think those guys could be available at the top of the second round where you'd be fully happy with that and they could be starting caliber um, edge players and you just you don't have to trade up for those kinds of guys all right last thing for trevor sycamore i'm asking all the draft guys this question forget round value whatever just straight up you're flipping through the tape and you're like i want to watch someone the last three players have sucked i want joy in my life <laughs> who is your favorite player in this draft oh man there's there's a lot of guys that that i have really really enjoyed watching in this draft the cornerback group especially has been so much fun for me to watch, and uh, I'll take the guy that I seem to be higher on than, than a lot of other people. I'll say Cooper DeGene, the cornerback from Iowa. His tape is just a joy, man. I mean, whether they line him up outside, whether they put him close to the slot, he'll come up and tackle a running back. He'll come up and tackle a, a tight end. He'll lock down an outside wide receiver. If they play him a little bit further in off coverage, almost like this like way off either cover three or quarters assignment, He'll perfectly time out the space that he has between the receiver. He'll bait the quarterback. He'll make a he'll make a break on the ball. He'll get an interception. He's had a ton of interceptions over the last couple of years, and he turns into an incredible playmaker once he gets the ball in his hands. So um, I see the smile on your face. Like this, this is genuine right now. I mean, I, I gave, love this dude. Kid. I I I've comped his game to the way that Jalen Ramsey has been used in the NFL at times as like this ultimate chess piece of like, yeah. hey, is it most advantageous for you to play in the slot this week? That's what we're gonna do. Is it most advantageous to play outside? Okay, there you go. Is it most advantageous for you to play on the back end and take away a lot of their deep shot stuff? Okay, there we go. And so it's like that kind of a football player gets me really, really excited. So I think Dejean is awesome. Unfortunately, he's not working out because of a leg injury that he suffered in the season. I think he'd be great here in Indianapolis. So we'll have to wait to see his athletic numbers at his pro day. But he's somebody who the cornerback class has been great overall, but he is somebody who I watched, and I gave him a top 10 grade. He's a top 10 player for me and somebody wow. that, uh, that I absolutely love. All right, that's Trevor Sycamore, Pro Football Focus. Of course, read him on PFF's website. Uh, he's all over their podcasts. And uh, every once in a while, I look up, and I, I see that beard and well-manicured hair on NFL Network, too. I appreciate you getting that, TV it, stuff. It's always a good time. I, I love I love chopping it up with those guys. They're fantastic. They obviously covered the league so, so well. Yeah. So it's always great to link up with them. Trevor Sycamore, everybody. More from Radio Row next here on The Hoffman Show.